1: Welcome to the AEW Rampage review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dudley Boys, Michael Sidgwick from What Culture, to review everything that happened on Friday night's episode of AEW Rampage. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review AEW Rampage but also AEW Dynamite, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, but oh, pay per views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a. Round of the week complete with a bigger quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Michael Sidwick here to discuss. Hey, I just you, this is, crazy, but here's my number. This is right, baby baby. <laughs> <laughs> I also do like the new uh, The Joker Baby.
2: The Joker Baby (laughs) remix. Um,
1: Yeah, what did you make of this week's show? Yeah, I really liked
2: it. I really, really liked it. Usually we say this constantly. It's becoming a bit of a meme for the listeners. A 7 out of 10 rampage. I thought this was an 8 out of 10 rampage. Mm. Um, The wrestling over-delivered. There was one match in particular that I was actually quite shocked. No one sort of um, circulated hype for. From the tapings, because I thought the main event was legitimately tremendous capital T. And more rewardingly, even though this didn't do a great deal to sort of resolve certain core problems I have with the promotion at the minute, i.e. they didn't clarify certain things about Forbidden Door. They didn't make me any more excited about the future overarching direction of the company. There were still two little moments in particular Which we'll get to where I thought this is the goddamn company I fell in love with. This is the company that just puts a little bit of extra thought Mm. into otherwise sort of mundane or expected things that you do on a wrestling show. But just they applied a little tweak across these two different moments where I thought my god you love thinking about this yes. it's a little passion project to this day
1: especially considering it was taped so it's like you can't have like the night to think about it this is an afterthought almost yeah. after dynamite
2: just two glorious little details superbly acted really nicely conceived where I just thought you guys are really good at this and not only are you really good at it but you enjoy actively enjoy thinking about these tiny little enhancements to just standard moments that otherwise wouldn't be that good. So I really had a good time watching this pro wrestling show.
1: Yeah, exactly. Let's dive straight into it then. Like you said, this was the... uh uh, penultimate rampage before Forbidden Door. Um, when this show went out, Forbidden Door was... No, ...away. Uh, and we opened with one of the guys who's going to be fighting for the interim AEW Championship, John Moxley against Dante Martin. A bit of a story, history developing between these two now. Um, before the match started, we should... T- Deal with what went down on commentary. One side you got Chris Jericho. The other side you got William Regal. Jericho says that anyone from Blackpool's a stupid idiot. I'm sure Phil Chambers might have something to say about that. Is that where he's from? I'm not sure if he's where he's from, but he definitely lived there for a while.
2: I've never asked. Yeah. Not that I don't care about I just automatically
1: lad. assumed boat life 24-7. So you've gone coastal. Yeah. So coast to coast, maybe. Who knows? Um But... Regal uh, was annoyed that Jericho isn't bald and called him a trout slapper. I still don't know what that means. I, uh, all Jericho said on this was "Don't Google it." Okay. So I don't think I will. Uh. No. No. Yeah, but, but the thing is, the moment someone says that, a bit like when you're in school and someone's like, "Have you seen this? What is it? Blue waffle or whatever?" Like, What's all this about? What's oh my God, I'm scarred for life. What's blue waffle? Don't Google it. Do not Google it. Promise me you won't Google it. Well, I have to
2: now. Don't. Just don't. Don't. Listeners out there as well. Don't <laughs> you do, obviously, even though he's just done the thing. It's yeah. like when oh, I've got... Maybe I'll bleep it. I heard this great bit of office gossip, but uh can't tell anyone. Well, you can't, and you will, Write yeah. this goddamn second, because you know you can't do that. You're just <laughs> being a bellend when you do things like that. You have to You have to say it. Anyway, Moxley and Martin, let's just get into this. Yeah. Um,
1: Martin offers a handshake, and Moxley looks at it like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. respect. Do you think this is? Um, Moxley, uh, early on, battles him in a test of strength, puts him in an armbar, puts him in a side headlock. Uh, Martin escapes, though, and he's using the athletic ability to to counter him. Hip toss attempts get turned into a head scissors by uh, Dante Martin. He hits a shotgun drop kick to send Moxley out to the floor. Um, Later on, there's a bit where Moxley's like, come on then, let's see what you've got. See what your chops have got, and he hits him with like a series of three chops. The Moxie, you know, a few times like, oh, yeah, you got a bit of something behind that one. One chop of his own just sends Martin down. Martin's like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Um, Moxie whips hard, in, hard. What? Moxley whips Martin hard into the turnbuckles. Side back breaker takes us to a break. When we come back, uh, he's got Martin in a Texas cloverleaf. Turns it into sort of a variation of the Regal stretch, which William appreciates on commentary. Uh, and then just buries some knees into Martin's head to get himself a near fall. But Martin fights back. Uh, he sits this flipping forward hurricane rana off the ropes thing. Um, they fight on the top rope. Moxley wants like a super paradigm shift, but you know Martin's holding on, so he goes okay. Butterfly superplex. It is off the top. I thought oh, great. Uh, But he ducks the sliding lariat, does uh, Dante Martin. Hits Moxley with a Gaman guri, send him out to the floor. And does that springboard that he teased earlier on. Springboard sort of plancher onto Moxley on the outside. Sends him back in. Top rope crossbody gets Martin a near fall. Goes for the nosedive and Moxley. Dodges it. Catches him in a choke. Um, Martin runs up the turnbuckle to try and counter it. But um, Moxley's trying to hold on to this choke as it's going on. So, Martin hits him with a great avalanche-sliced bread for a two-count. Uh, the exchange strikes and kicks, and then Moxley hits an RKO, sorry, a cutter out of nowhere. Um, Martin did get a, a near fall, I should mention, actually, off a sunset flip, and Moxley goes, right, enough of this. Lariat, hammer and, al- hammer and anvil elbows, and then just, oh, just, just taut on the taut, taut on the um, stretch that you put him in, like a hammerlock stretch, uh, gets the submission victory, but... Martin put up a hell of
2: a hell of a fight there. I thought absolutely. What I love about the Blackpool Combat Club is it facilitates brilliantly one of AEW's trusty devices, and that is upstart rookie and a spirited performance in battling defeat. Uh, this is a really good version of that match, but it just makes sense. Um, in the Do you con- take on? But sorry, to interrupt. I just I just thought of it now.
1: What do you make of I? Th- when I see it, I think it's pretty disingenuous because I think. All it's right. disingenuous. <laughs> I did so it on right. I've, I've, <laughs> I've got. I did this on the SmackDown. Steve McLaren? Done? I said uh, shoulder checkles. I oh, know. I've gone. I've gone full Malachi Black today. Have apparently. you
2: been to, um, Amsterdam? I've not are been to Amsterdam.
1: You? I'm looking forward to going there in September. You going, yeah, going to Sheffield? September. I've ordered uh, uh, a, a stag yeah. or
2: a. It
1: is. Uh, it is a stag. I think. <laughs> anyway, what was I saying? <laughs> Yes, yeah, so people, when people are being disingenuous, when they say, should a rookie be taking Moxley to his, he's, Moxley's the number one contender, should he be taking him to his limit? And I was like, well, how does anyone do anything? Like and, uh, Like what, so no near falls for, for Martin was a bloody point.
2: It's just, like I didn't
1: buy that Martin was going to win, but I, I appreciated that Moxley was like, oh, I need to, I need to put, step it up a gear here. Yeah,
2: it's, it's one of those things, right, where it's a standard AEW way of doing things. And if you strike the balance, which I believe this match did, then you one per. It's the Paul Heyman platonic ideal of professional wrestling, um, or a professional wrestling match manifest. This is manifest. <laughs> this is professional wrestling manifest. Yes, oh, nice headlock,
1: sir.
2: I <laughs> see so you know your flips well. <laughs> but basically, I didn't. I didn't leave that match thinking anything less of John Moxley, no. other than he's still on wrestler of the air form. And you still think, bit by bit by bit by bit by bit Dante Martin is really showing something. And again, the context of the Blackpool Combat Club just enhances this device immeasurably because he didn't shake Dante Martin's hand at the end of it, which conveys the idea that Dante Martin still has a ways to go. And eventually, they are tethering these two together, and they had a tag team match, um, Danielson and Mox against Seidel, and Dante Martin not too long ago, which they made sure to reference on commentary, which um, put something into my mind where i thought, like all right, okay, well, maybe he's a potential inductee to the Blackpool Combat Club. And you're always wow. looking out for a, a the, the handshake at the end or at the beginning. You're always looking for, like, a juice, bit of a juice job there, mm-hmm. because if he bleeds with him, then he's willing to fight alongside him. So you're looking for blood. Um, you're looking for... Um, a really strong showing from Dante Martin. So that way, when he's ruling um, Moxley up, or when he's catching him unawares with an aerial, you're thinking, oh, is he showing enough now? So they've just added a new thread to a match that in and of itself functions to do two things. One person looks good and defeat, the other person wins, and wins and losses matter, and this guy's a winner, and I can still take him seriously as a winner on route to the Forbidden Domain event. Um, so this is all really, really good. I still don't think Dante Martin's that good a wrestler. But um, there's a famous Minoru Suzuki quote, that it's kind of annoying how good it is because my job as a writer is to capture these sorts of things and Suzuki did it much better than anyone could. Um, (laughs) His um, analysis of the modern WWE wrestler who's emerged from the Performance Center where he called them boring lumps of grey trash he's basically saying that the idea of what WWE does in the Performance Center is completely antithetical to what gets a pro wrestler over because they're trying to round them out, smooth out the edges, make them a 7 or an 8 in every department, and just in doing so lose everything unique about Mm -hmm. them. And another great Suzuki quote from that same interview was, um, Moxley is great because he can't douche. Mm. And there are certain elements here where John Moxley doesn't work a really athletically refined um, athletic style, he's not a high flyer. Mm. So when he takes like a tierra or something like that, he always bumps awkwardly, but it looks gorgeous in the context of the match because he's not doing it so crisply or yes. so smoothly that he looks like he's um, cooperating with a dance partner in the context of a high-flying match. It looks better for how awkward and staggered his bumping is because he's not trained at taking aerials. So it just legitimately looks ugly, not particularly pretty, like he's legitimately been caught unaware doing something that he's not exactly very good at. But in turn, that just makes him look like he's been got by Dante Martin's brilliant aerials. Um, So I thought even when this didn't look quote-unquote pretty, um, it was really good. Martin's still telegraphing certain things. There's still certain moments where he looks a little bit too clean, but I just love the idea of the Blackpool Combat Club thread, him going for a handshake and them staying consistent with the storytelling and the characters where Mox is like, you haven't shown me a goddamn thing yet. Yeah. Don't what are you doing? Like, well, as he said, like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, mm-hmm. wrestle me first. If I make you bleed and he can survive the bleeding, or if you can take me to my limit, maybe we'll talk then. Uh, so this is a really fun opener with like a bit of a, a grander, mm. indirect scale to it.
1: Martin's getting some good facials now as well. It was, it was something I thought he'd lacked before. It was all kind of the same. Yeah. And then there's a bit of variation in there, so I'll give some credit as well uh, to that. But really enjoyed that as an opener and and considering we thought that was going to be the main event. uh, But it made sense why they changed things around. Um, Right, we're backstage with Swerve Strickland and Keith Lee. Tony is asking them, you know, about what happened in the big battle royal and Swerve eliminating Keith Lee and says, well, you've got to wonder if you two are still on the same page. And Keith Lee, right, before I do this, I hate it when other people do it, but I'm going to do it because... Uh, hang on, wait a second. Yeah, We're going to do it anyway. Keith Lee listening to the pod. I don't think so. I think he is. And I think he's like, Will Warren's going to do an impression of me, but I'm going to make a fool out of him because he's going to have to say verbatim what I said because I'm going to say it the way he would say it if I'd said something differently because he wants to do his voice. Because he says... I well, gotta wonder if you two are still on the same page, Keith Lee goes, Indubitably! <laughs> and I was like, wait a second. And he goes, And twelve after I saved you, I'm going to give you thirty seconds. That is right, sir. Thirty of the queen's seconds. <laughs> Half a minute, some might say. No, you give me thirty seconds to tell me why I shouldn't dismantle No no no. Why I shouldn't beat your ass <laughs> Strickland says. That dismantle stuff was nice. I'm like, oh, it's a flowery language. No, I'm just going to kick the crap out of you. Um, Strictly goes, look, let's not forget, we came here to win ch- titles, we went to win championships. This was singles competition. I still want to be a tag team. Let's be honest, you'd probably eliminated me when given the chance anyway. And uh, Lee goes leaving, goes, bah, 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 and he talks about Shaq and Kobe and the the, the sort of uh, alliance that those two made. Um, and again, Lee doesn't want to hear any of this, but before they can uh, depart, in comes the absolute peace, Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs, who says, look, you're talking all this big talk, say so you're this amazing tag
2: team, never beating us. I like the phrase, marinate on that. First of all, I really like how they've brought these two acts together because um, ahead of the act Double or Nothing, it just felt like, They'd 50-50'd this, mm-hmm. or they'd left it unresolved because they had a great tag team match, the four of these, um, where Taz interfered and Hobbs pinned Keith Lee, then they went into the tag time. You don't know about that spinebuster, baby. Yeah, yeah. then they went line. to the um, tag team title picture, and I just thought, all right, okay. Well, are the baby faces going to get sort of the chance to win fairly, if they just dropped this and went a bit 50-50 with all of it, if you consider the mm-hmm. individual matches that they had together. But no, it feels like they are going to continue the storyline, and it might even act as the the inciting incident that makes Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland sort of implode. So it's good that they're going to use an unresolved 50-50-ish program remembered it they're going to launch whatever happens between swerve and keith lee on the back of this and i liked the dismantle nah, it's gonna beat your ass just really good like there's levels to keith lee's performance here where he's not operating in promo mode he's not just building up a fight mm-hmm. him sort of um avoiding his usual way of delivering a promo lets the audience know now he's this is personal now he's not just performing like he's really sort of pissed off with um, Swerve Strickland, so um, he's going to approach it in a more personal way. I just had a lot of time for the segment. I thought it was really well done across yeah. the board.
1: Should have said greetings and salutations if he really was listening to the podcast, but, you know, save that for this week or something. Yeah. Dynamite review, or Dynamite preview, I should say, on, on Wednesday. Dynamite review on Thursday, of course. Uh, then we get some promos from uh, Death Triangle and the House of Black setting up, of course, the match between Penta and Malachi on Dynamite this coming week for the Fatal 4-Way Forbidden Door thing. Just um, the 4-Way. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and
2: uh, was it, is it Pac said something like Gandalf looking ass or something like gangly that. creep? That's it. I'm gonna send you back to Dash Netherland. How do you say that? Dash Netherland. Gang creep. Gang creep. My God.
1: Right, we're going to play play a little game here. Ah. See if we can review a match quicker than the match itself. (laughs) It was Max Caster and the Gun Club versus Leon Ruff and Bear Country, and it was exactly what we called it was going to be on the preview, which was Max Caster's rap, talking about he had something to say, but someone made him sign an NDA. um, And then the guns beat the crap out of poor Leon Ruff. Um, The Bear Country got dispatched as as they were doing their pose at the start, and uh, Max Caster hit the mic drop to get the one, two, three. This has only
2: strengthened my cynical stance that this match functioned only mm-hmm. to get max caster doing a rap on television and getting the attendant buzz <laughs> that comes with it because all my nice little fantasy booking about oh wouldn't it be good if like bear country or the guardians of leon ruff and they can have this sort of like big brother little brother dynamic did not work no. did not happen <laughs> this was basically the most transparent I know they're doing something with the Acclaimed and the Gun Club and they kind of have to win matches so that they are justified in appearing on Dynamite or whatever. They can't just lose every week and be on it. So maybe I'm being too cynical and this is just, we like what we have with the Acclaimed and the Gun Club. There's something here. Let's have them win the odd match on, tucked away on Rampage so that we can justify them being on TV. Maybe it's that, but maybe it was simply get Caster on Rampage, scrub whatever was scheduled and get Caster on Rampage just so we can do the rap. Yeah.
1: The rap was longer than the match.
2: Yes. <laughs> I genuinely start looking at my phone, and then I was like, oh, what? Yeah. So that's how this went. <laughs>
0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com
1: slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Uh, right, we got Lexi Nair backstage with Hook, uh, who's going to face a, a New Japan top prospect on, uh, on Dynamite or Rampage. I can't remember. Rampage. Rampage next Friday. Um, and he's asked if that excites him, and he just looks up at her up and down.
2: She says, does anything excite you? In comes Dan Housen. Yeah, but when he he said to Hook, does anything excite you? There's
1: a little glance, wasn't there? Yeah. There's something there.
2: It's not the first time they've tried to do this, so Mm. maybe they're trying to, uh, Hook's going to be a mad shagger. Maybe that's his gimmick. Makes sense. Everyone wants to shag him, so yes, it's it's very credible. Uh,
1: Anyway, here comes uh, very nice, very evil, my life.
2: In comes Dan
1: Housen. Uh, Who just didn't realise the cameras are even rolling? Puts over Hook, um, tells him he, that, 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 that together they're going to decimate this New Japan prospect. And uh, Hook just tells him, "I've got this."
2: Good. He should have it by himself. Yeah. Whatever it is, his career. Actually, add team. A tag. man of few words, Hook. Yes, and hopefully few tag team partners. It's just, it's not good. This. They've done. Literally everything they can do with it. Hopefully this is um, recognition of that. Um, because I just want Hook being a badass alongside his former <coughs> Team Taz stablemates. I don't know anymore. Just it would be so much cooler if Team Taz were a complete unit with Hook in it. That is so much cooler than him being with Danhausen. I think a problem with wrestling fans is that they tend not to have any imagination. <laughs> and people go, oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. imagine Hook with Team Taz. Mm. How awesome that would be.
1: So let's just do that. Yeah. I agree. TBS Championship match next. It was Jay Cargill versus A Willow and Nightingale with Stokely Hathaway on commentary. Who was over the moon to arrive on commentary to discover that Jay Cargill was was being crowned Jericho's Sports Entertainer of the Week. Nice little dynamic between Jericho and Stokely. I thought Stokely's um, got chemistry with everyone. That's yeah. the kind of performer he is, um, including Chris Statlander. We'll get to yeah uh, early on uh, Nightingale, who is just it just. I, uh, the way I describe her sounds so, like, it's such a backhanded compliment. I'm like, she's just so fun and bubbly, fun and full of energy, and she's just nice, and she's just a good old-fashioned baby face. But that is the case. Like, she came bounding out for her entrance, and I was like, yeah, come on, Willow.
2: Everyone in the arena had the exact yeah. same opinion as well. So,
1: I had the same at the Ring of Honor show. For my sins, I was like, I don't really know a lot about this Willow Nightingale. And they made, I think they aired, like, a 30-second video package, and then she came out. And I was just like, it felt like it just, like, it was just oh, yeah, come on. Like, just impulsive sort of stuff. So um, what's it called? It's just uh, intangible. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. Anyway, she goes to the pounce, and Cargill just avoids it, and she just flops down and then gets nailed with a pump kick by a Jade Cargill. But Nightingale doesn't get some, uh, pinned by immediately by that. I think they go to break at that point. When we come back, uh, Nightingale's fighting back. She's getting him, hitting her with cannonballs, hitting Jade with cannonballs in the corner. Uh, Cargill, though, fights back, hits a pedigree, hits the Jaded Slam, one, two, three. But uh, it was arguably more, despite the fact the TBS Championship was on the line, it was more about the post-match here, because post-match, uh, Kiera Hogan, who was at a ringside, gets in, puts some boots to Nightingale, but then Athena's music hits she doesn't come down the ramp. Everyone's distracted. She appears on the top rope, uh, hits an eclipse on Kiera Hogan, but then immediately turns around into a pump kick from Jade Cargill. Uh, and Chris Statlander runs down. This was the moment we talked about in the office. Stokely Hathaway was uh, coming down to the ring to sort things out for his client and her baddies and what have you just <laughs> nailed in the back of the head. She runs off Cargill uh, and you've got a team now um, with uh, you know with with, Will- with them protecting Willow. You've got Athena, got um, Chris Statlandy. you've maybe even got Anna Jay who's been involved in this as well. Um, what did you make of all this?
2: Uh, this was tremendously fun from beginning to end. It was everything I said it had to be on the preview. Not too long to overexpose Cargill, not too short, so it feels like Willow, Nightingale, Willow Nightingale's not worth this organic, just automatic support she has with the audience. all sent on was great. Um, Jade Cargill was shouldn't go unnoticed that she worked. And, and I know it only went all of four minutes or six minutes aired or whatever, but it should not go unnoticed that she's added a new string to her bow. This felt like a competitive mm. back and forth match, which is markedly different to a squash, obviously, but it's also markedly different to uh, dominating much of the match and um, selling a little bit of fright for a hope spot, but then doing well in the end. She's like continually diversifying what she could do between the ropes. This is just a back and forth 50 50 match that requires way more sort of skill to pull off mm. um because she's not just going through her spots she's not just selling a little bit and then winning in the end there were some complicated sequences here in terms of her ring positioning and a timing that she needed to pull off and ultimately you never it gets, it mirrors the first match i didn't leave here thinking oh jade cargill sold too much or gave too much away and mm. um, nor did i think that Willow Nightingale was just squashed. There was loads of nice little cool sequences um, a bit on some of the counters and thinking, Jesus Christ, I, I didn't really think, oh, is this going to go Willow Nightingale's yeah. way? But I did think, are they going to really sort of push Jade Cargill mm. to our limit? And then it just kind of ended. Not an anti-climax but this is a really impressive and um, different showing from Jade Cargill, but what I really want to put over it is the slap to the back of the head from Statland <laughs> at Hathaway. There's a million ways that AEW can do a Post match, Moz involving the various associates of the people who just had the match. We see instances of this every single week, and I mean every single week of it all breaking down in the stables or like the sort of the loose alliances coming together. And it all just feels like something happening to make sure these people are still, that people know, oh, they're still feuding, mm-hmm. or we can build a multi man or a tag match on the back of this. That just feels like I'm not watching fierce rivals in a punch up. I'm not watching baby faces really get hurt because they have been outnumbered by the heels. I don't really feel anything for these scenes because they're just facilitating things that can happen in the next few weeks. I don't really register moves happening mm. or I don't register people getting hurt. I just see a contrivance of physicality. This was different because they applied a little bit of thought to it where they got that wonderful comedy moment just slapping someone on the back of the head. Not only is it so disrespectful, not only was it so seamless, But the way that Statlander did it in just one smooth motion, like at the exact same time as sliding into the ring, is that she thought nothing of Stokely Hathaway. No. He's just some goober who can get slapped in the back of the head and disrespected. But Hathaway's selling was amazing. It was so amazing because he just... (laughs) is <laughs> like, you know, the platoon thing? Yeah. Where it's like you getting shot. Like, oh, man. He sold a little disrespectful boink to the back of the head, <laughs> like flailing arms, and it was just genuinely pissed myself. It's yeah. just a lovely little thing that put two characters over at once in one second. It wasn't even like one second per character. It was just one second, boop, and that you get two characters mm-hmm. over. Just that little bit of economic thought that I associate with the best of this company. Yeah, exactly.
1: Uh, a nice little hype video as well next. Uh, Sat Nam Singh, Jay Lethal, Sanjay Dutt uh, taking shots at Samoa Joe for not defending his Ring of Honor TV Championship. I mean, Ring of Honor haven't got TV, so yeah, no. <laughs> I'm going to forgive him a little bit, but obviously they reminded everyone that they just attacked him at every opportunity. Uh, and Satnam Singh's talking about the fact this is just the beginning uh, after his his incredible uh, showcasing a debut match um, a week ago, yeah, a week ago, and uh, I did like the bit where he's like flexing and standing tall, and he's with his new mates and Sanjay Dutt's like, yeah, you need to have, like reason, release the grip a little bit there, mate.
2: So I really like Sanjay Dutt know, for years. Yeah, I really like this. Uh, I like elements rather of this dynamic. Hmm. Sanjay Dutt is funny. Satan, I'm saying it's large. Jay Lethal, unfortunately, is Jay Lethal. And Samoa Joe is totally thrashed at this point. He's had matches against Kyle O'Reilly and Minoru Suzuki that were very good, but at the same time, he's also had matches where I'm thinking, don't feature him as often as you
1: are. Mm. Uh, before the main event, it was time for the split screen with uh, Darby Allen and Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly um, talking about the uh, their attack on on Sting, and a fired up Darby Allen's uh, promise to to by the end of the night he was going to break Bobby Fisher's leg, and then it was over to Mark Henry. And what a main event this was. Um, apart from the fact it initially made Darby Anna look like a
2: complete end, Yeah.
1: So he's there. He's fired up. I'm going to kill you.
2: I'm going to break your leg. But first, I'm going to pose on the turnbuckle. I don't understand why they did this. Come down on the skateboard, right? Then do your pose. Don't make it seem like he's not performing here. He doesn't care about the crowd and winning their affection or whatever or doing his thing as a pro wrestler. Um, he's just got his mind on his business. If you're going to do that, then go, actually, I'll do a quick pause. I can't really help myself. You look even more of an idiot. If you just did his usual entrance, it would scan as, oh, that's really unprofessional. That you shouldn't do it before the bell because you've not, he's not expecting to do that. He's doing his entrance. Something like this, if you book it, not only does it make the baby face look like an idiot, but it just undermines the very idea of a pro wrestler making an entrance. Mm. They say, Oh, why are you doing your entrance? Oh, because it's uh, entertainment. All right, okay, well, I'm about to watch a fight. It
1: just, yeah. don't muddy the waters of this because it's just pointless in every direction. So, yeah, whilst Darby Allen was doing his pose, Bobby Fish came in and immediately targeted his legs because he's a git and he's brilliant. Bobby Fish goes after him. Dragon screw uh, leg whip, which we'd see a lot in this match, sends Allen out to the floor. Uh, Fish sends him into the ring apron. Uh, there's a bit on the outside where I think it was meant to be Bobby Fish charging at Darby Allen, and Darby Allen leaps over him and then. Bobby Fish just hits the barricade. What actually happened is he, like, accidentally kneed Bobby Fish in the head, and I thought, oh, no. Yeah. But it turns out, well, from what I watched, they seem to be all right, so thank goodness for that. Uh, and a bit of an awkward landing for Darby Allen who was not meant to get hurt, basically, here. But it's Darby Allen. he bounces, doesn't he? Um, get back in the ring, um, Fish hits a tilt wheel backbreaker, goes to the springboard moonsault, which I don't think I've seen for Yonks in uh, from from Bobby Fisher springboard
2: moon He ages de ages Benjamin Button yeah he de ages another year every single time he's on TV he doesn't even have the bra- neck bra- uh, the knee braces anymore oh yeah I need to get what he's was on. doing moonsaults. salts he was doing double rotations next <laughs> uh,
1: and then that allows uh, Darby Allen to recover and he does his I've written high speed tope. death defying it's to- just abs one Of those moves I would never want to take. Yeah, it looks like it absolutely sucks, but it the looks cra- amazing. Right, the,
2: the ringside fans looked like they were seconds away from <laughs> getting clattered. It was awesome.
1: Um, but Bobby Fish goes for uh, Darby Allen's leg again and he goes after him with the body shots as well. And he drag and screw leg whips Darby Allen into the barricade twice. And that barricade is not one of those padded ones. <laughs> I was like, Oh, Concussion City, yeah, just but it's it's again, it's Darby Allen, so he just. Yep, fine. Anyway, go to a break. Uh, when we come back, Darby Allen fights back, hits a scorpion death drop and a code red for a near fall. Uh, Fish goes out to the floor. Bad idea. Darby Allen goes up top and hits him with a coffin drop uh, to just lay him out on the outside. Um, Fish catches Allen with a spear through the ropes and they both fall to the floor as they're both trying to get back in. Um, throws Allen into the ring stairs. They fight on the apron and he bloody German suplexes him. Off the apron and crashes out to the floor. He's just a rag doll at this point. Uh, we finally get back in the ring. And Fish hits a top rope falcon arrow for a two count. Grabs an ankle lock. Uh, but Darby Allen suddenly uh, counters with the Last Supper cradle and gets the one,
2: two, three. This finish was absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. Two wrestlers who are great at their craft wrestling and countering in a way that just ties a lovely bow on the story perfectly. This was absolutely tremendous professional wrestling. I'm surprised there was no hype of note, like emanating from these tapings. Because I thought this was class. Even when they mistimed something like the somersault over the charge, it just looked awesome and ugly in yeah. the best possible way. Like the heads colliding gnarly. against yeah gnarly heads colliding against barricades. It just looked like a vicious, violent fight. It just felt real. Um, And there's a bit of piss and moaning about not counting, but I think they've established, if you're paying attention to this promotion, One IO, they've established, they don't want to do count-outs and disqualifications. So much so that the officials and the commentators have explained this constantly (laughs) throughout AEW's existence, have a little bit of latitude towards what they perceive to be rule-breaking when they see it, because they know that this company wants to do decisive in-the-ring finishes, whether it's pin, submission, TKO, whatever. So they will say, right, okay, they're breaking the rules here, but I think the fans would rather see a finish than... And they're both breaking the rules, crucially. Yes, absolutely. like one just running off. Yeah, absolutely. So it's just they've already created a baked-in reason... And all it does is it facilitates more enjoyment. All it does is make the tone feel a little bit like two guys are kind of in a grudge feud here. They're not going to go, all right, okay, sorry, we've been out here for too long. Let's politely resume yes. wrestling in the ring. Like, it just makes sense of the tone. It makes sense of the company's, like, grand um, sort of big-picture philosophy about how they treat matches. The referees are sort of in on it as well. It's all absolutely fine. Some of the wrestling here was great. The counter into the... Um, like destino almost from darby allen looked fantastic mm-hmm. um but generally the story was so well told and they escalated it constantly into the finish of complete dickhead bully who doesn't care about the rules because he's just gonna try and kill darby allen immediately tries to out wrestle and outwit um the baby face but the baby face is too smart too spirited, too gutsy, and he's going to prevail in the end because he's too much of a better wrestler. So perfectly unfussy, compact pro wrestling match articulated wonderfully with like suplexes on the apron. And I just love how bullies can't help themselves. The heel dickheads can't help themselves. Not only is he going to try and violently hurt Darby Allen, whose legs and his neck I just felt like, oh my god, you're (laughs) going to have to defend yourself better than that, mate. But they're also completely hubristic arseholes. So the idea of Bobby Fish going splat on a Bloody moonsault just worked perfectly as a holy shit moment. Mm-hmm. That's you're, you're 60 years old, what you're doing, but it also felt consistent with the story of, oh, I'm an arrogant prick who's out to hurt someone. It's like, well, no, you're not because you're an arsehole and you deserve that. And now Darby Allen's got the advantage. This just felt sort of heated, gnarly, nasty, really well performed, and just the, the craft and the wrestling craft of that finish and how the babyface mm. was smarter to reverse it. Because I genuinely had my heart in my mouth for the near fall. And then it was just class this. I can't believe it didn't get as much hype. I think the weekend on which it happened didn't help whatsoever. No, exactly. Everyone was trying to get their Vince takes in. Um Everyone was trying to like make sense of what Vince was going to do. Just Rampage was... Understandably, an yes. afterthought, but I thought this is a tremendous episode of television. Over delivery on the wrestling side of things, beautiful little moments of details. I just came away from this thinking a little bit more optimistically about AEW's future.
1: Yeah, it wasn't that that Darby Allen stole one, as we so often it's say. Out wrestled him. This wasn't you know a musical distraction or whatever. He just yeah he just went oh you've 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 you've, you've over committed to really trying to hurt yeah. me and that's left you
2: exposed wrestling's all about the sell stealing one isn't ever stealing one it is i have used a pro wrestling hold to my advantage mm. and i have won it's only sold as stealing one because wwe doesn't want anything to matter because if they do something decisive one week it prevents them in theory from doing literally the exact same match again next <laughs> week so in order to justify it so oh, well, nothing happened really in this match it didn't really count so i had to run it back it's a toxic way of telling stories, and it shouldn't be confused with just a smart wrestling finish. And It was just so magnificently conceived and executed. Mm. This match was great, but obviously, given wider events in pro wrestling, it was never going to scan as this great match. Uh, yeah, but
1: it was a, a big surprise came next because, like I say, Bobby Fish, you know, was I mean, fine to continue yeah, wrestling. Just been pinned. So good. He argues with the ref and then attacks Darby Allen and then beckons into the back. Kyle O'Reilly, bring out the chair. Let's. Kill this little dweeb as well. And Kyle O'Reilly comes out and he's playing the guitar on the chair. He's halfway down the ramp. Will anyone save Darby Allen? Lights go out. And when the lights come back up, it's Sting! Except there's no Tony, so unfortunately it was only Excalibur doing that. Uh, Sting groin shots Kyle O'Reilly and does it like twice, just to, just for good measure. Uh, and O'Reilly sells just cock pain on the yeah. ramp. Um, and that allows... Um, Darby Allen to recover, to uh, beat Bobby Fish down, wrap, wrap a chair around his leg, around his ankle, and coffin drop onto it. You didn't need to do that. Yeah. That'll hurt you as well. Yeah. But still, yeah, he destroys uh, Fish's knee. Uh, Sting puts in another shot afterwards just to really emphasize the injury. Uh, but Sting is back. Sting returns. And what a re- reception
2: for him. Yeah, this is awesome. Like, deep, deep, deep into the Rampage tapings, which... Illustrates how over and how beloved and cherished Sting is. Mm. And I loved this spot so much. Tony Khan is fabulous at putting people together. Even in long-term programs or one-offs like Keith Lee versus um, Isaiah Castell. had such admiration for that inspired pairing and how it really got Keith Lee over. Sting and Kyle O'Reilly is great because... Kyle O'Reilly's expressions and his face and his ability to sell marries perfectly to Sting's like sort of stoic myth living icon character. And Sting is so good that in moments like this, when he's in the paint, when he's in the trench coat, he doesn't have to do anything that exerts too much physicality. He can just use his brilliant working ability, his incredible aura Mm. and his presence and his ability to do so much with so little. Him just being almost static, save for that one outstretched arm. <laughs> he didn't have to expose how old he is, which sometimes when he works longer matches and the sweat and the face pains flake, and it's like, all right, you're an old man playing yeah. a guy from 20 years ago. And moments like that, and it's fine, but moments like this, it's like, you are a 30-year-old living legend somehow under the aesthetic that you have. just All you have to do is move one arm, and Kyle O'Reilly's got the best face. The best face to sell a nutshot shot like this. And this is just an absolutely perfect post-match scene. And given that every AEW match has a post-match scene, it feels like at times, they have to get really creative when they think of how to really get it over. And this was incredibly creative. Just such minimal brilliance here.
1: This was a proper lights-off, lights-on moment. Yeah absolutely. yeah, absolutely.
2: Which they've abused as well as a trope. But when you can do it well like this came away from this show in such a good mood about pro wrestling yeah exactly well let us know your
1: thoughts on Rampage on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE uh, well actually you can follow both of us you can follow Michael Sidgwick at
2: M. Sidgwick
1: by his Becoming All Elite The Rise of AW book right now on Amazon perfect holiday reading I've seen a lot of people doing that at the moment uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Adam Wilborn follow us all at what Culture WWE. as I said and make sure you subscribe to what Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts the Smackdown Review is available right now and meet Sidg and Hamlet. will be back later on today to look ahead to money now nah, but for now this has been the rampage review my thanks to michael sidgwick thank you for joining us and we will see you soon
0: selling a little or a lot